Good morning, everybody. We're so happy that you guys can make us and worship God today, this morning with us. Our scripture for today is two, three different scriptures, so I'm going to read um, Spanish, the first one. The second one will be in English, and the last one will be in Spanish, and you can just follow me and slide. So the first scripture is First uh, Peter 4, 8, and 10. La primera este, escritura es en la primera de Pedro 4, del 8 al 10. Y sobre todo, tened entre vosotros ferviente caridad, porque la caridad cubrirá multitud de pecados. Hospedaos los unos a los otros sin murmuraciones. Y cada uno según el don que ha recibido, administrelo a los otros como buenos dispensadores de las diferencias gracias de Dios. Hebrews 10. 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as one are, as one are in, in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the last one, it's uh, Colossians 3, 12 and 17. La última escritura es Colosenses 12, 3, del 12 al 17. Y dice, vestidos pues como escogidos de Dios, santos y amados de en, en, entrañas de misericordia, de benignidad, de humildad, de mansedumbre, de tolerancia, sufriendo los unos a los otros y perdonándonos los unos a los otros. Si alguno tuviera queja del otro, de la manera que Cristo os perdonó, así también haced vosotros. Y sobre todas estas cosas... Vestidos de la caridad de la cual el vínculo de la perfección. Y la paz de Dios gobierne en vosotros los corazones a los a sí mismos sois llamados en el cuerpo y sed agradecidos. La palabra de Cristo habite en vosotros en abundancia, en toda sabiduría, enseñándoos y exhortándoos los unos a los otros, salmos e himnos y canciones espirituales, con gracia cantando en vuestro corazón al Señor. Y todo lo que hacéis sea de palabra, o de hecho, hacerlo todo en el nombre del Señor Jesús, dando gracias a Dios, Padre, por él. Let's, let's uh, pray together. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day, and thank you for all the people who, who is here, and for all the people who couldn't make it, bless their hearts, and where they uh, are right now. And uh, we give you the honor and all the praise, Lord. Thank you for all your blessings and thank you for let us worship you today and let us uh, you uh, transform our lives every day. Thank you, God, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Magdal. So we are continuing um, in an eight-week series um, out of the book, uh, The Tangible Kingdom Primer uh, by Hugh Halter. And basically, what we're discussing and what we're talking about is um, different aspects of what um, characterizes Christian community, the body of Christ um, made tangible in the world. Um, um, so we're in week four. Uh, we went through uh, what it means to be sent, what it means 
that we are incarnational. And then last week, uh, Claire talked about the gospel and being a gospel-centered community. And this week, we're going to be discussing community. Community is a big word. It's a word that we throw around a lot here at Renew. Renew, we're we're about community. Uh, We're about belonging. We're about uh, accepting people. We're about loving one another and being hospitable and um, inviting other people. And so we're going to take a look at what it means to be community um, from a scriptural perspective and uh, what distinguishes Christian community from just community as um, society um, says it is. And, um, and then maybe explore why we need community. But first, I want to start with a question. Or actually, I need you guys, next slide, to turn uh, to your neighbor, to each other, and say, I need you to survive. And not just, I need you to survive, but then to say, and to be my best self. Got it? Ready? Go. Turn to each other. And then I have a couple other questions, and people can throw these out. This is for audience participation. And the question is, what is a good experience of community that you've had? It doesn't have to be just church community. It can be, you know, school. It can be any, any community. What is uh, an ideal experience of community or a really good experience that you've had of community? And you can just call them out. Okay, so when there's food for two weeks straight, that's awesome. After a death, yeah. After a death. And also the birth. After a birth, people have to be sheltered That is cool. I know when Cammy was born, we got a lot of food for a long time. <laughs> uh, co-workers that I enjoy hanging out with outside of work. Uh-huh. I enjoy their company and we become friends. Okay. One of my best uh, community experiences my freshman year of college because it's it's such a unique year because you're living in a dorm you're away from home for the first time and so i lived in c section and anderson hall and whitman college and uh we were called the seamen and uh it was it was such an awesome community because everyone's doors were open all the time we played intramural sports together and then B section was like the girls section right next door and we all like kind of hung out together and did events together and 
all of that. So it was really good and unrepeatable um, since then. Anyone else? Okay, we switch gears and what is a negative experience of community that you've had? Don't say renew, because I'll start crying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and why? I remember um, about maybe 17 years ago, um, in Seattle, there was a, uh, a clash. Uh, a bus came up from campus of people that were uh, protesting a, a radio um, announcer who I think was gay. I remember coming down to see what this clash was, but it was these two sides that were yelling at each other across the street, and there were barricades and policemen stopping them from going at each other. That was terrible. Yeah, not safe, not good. Angry yelling, throwing things, it was very bad. Yeah. My negative experience of community began in Southern California in the 1980s. All of a sudden, I, I, for example, I was at Point Loma Nazarene College, which is Point Loma Nazarene University now, and I didn't know anybody in my hall. I didn't know anybody in the hall, you know? And I had friends on campus and all that, but then I didn't know who lived next door to me. And I found that I didn't know who lived next door to me in my neighborhood. Only I found that this became a real problem. And I ended up living in this house with my wife and kids. And we didn't know anyone in our neighborhood. Huh. And so it's like, you know, what's this negative experience of community? Well, where is community? You know? Yeah. Where's, the, where's the happy? You know? Have we experienced community? <laughs> you know, it, it used to be that it was, you know, it was our neighbors. It was our, it was, you know, I think there was some sense of community. America. Yeah. I don't know where it is now. <laughs> so. Would people agree that there seems to be less, maybe the older ones of us here, like a less, a lessening of a sense of community? Isn't that good? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Really good. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for sharing, everyone. Um, I think we live in a world that is increasingly connected, right, via the internet, via social media stuff. 
um, we feel and we experience a sense of connection. Like I can say because of Facebook, I have whatever, however many friends I have, thousands of friends, <laughs> right? But so we're, I'm connected, yet um, I think we as people, as individuals, feel even more isolated and lonely than ever before, right? I can have thousands of friends, right, and be connecting online, and yet that evening on my computer, I can feel so lonely, right? And um, so it's kind of a, a, the great irony of our time. Um, and I think what we're lacking is a deep sense of community uh, with deep, meaningful friendships surrounded around common purposes, um, common convictions, common um, dreams, and stuff like that. Um, but if you hit the next slide. So you may have heard this. Uh, but earlier this, this month, uh, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, made an announcement that for the first time in its history, Facebook was changing its mission. And I don't know what their mission statement was before, I think, empowering people to have their voice, like connect people through empowering their voices, something like that. Uh, but Facebook, as of late, has been getting a lot of criticism because... Um, one, during the political campaign, the U.S. political campaign, it was, a lot of the fake news that was going on was being kind of spread through Facebook. And so this kind of social media uh, tool that was used to connect people and to empower people's voices were actually, was actually being used to disconnect and create disharmony and create, like, tension. Um, and so Mark Zuckerberg... Um, he had kind of a soul-searching time. He wrote a manifesto, and it was like, it's, just, it's more than just empowering individual voices. It's more than just connecting, right? Um, and so the new Facebook mission was to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. So there's this recognition that it's not just, there, it's more than individualism, right? It's more than kind of, highlighting the individual voice, but we're a global community, a global, a global village, and what one person says here, what one person does here, affects this person and this group of people. And that we live in a world that's very divisive, where one group is fighting another group, where one set of beliefs is set against another set of beliefs, where one political uh, kind of grouping is against another political grouping where uh, one country is at war with another country. And so um, to, to, to say that we're not interconnected, um, it would be to be blind to reality. And so this, this social responsibility um, to connect, to help build, actually build community and bring the world closer together. And so I think Facebook is gonna do a lot of work with the groups, like opening up um, kind of the Facebook groups stuff, and also cracking down on people who are being irresponsible, like just being kind of destructive, not just letting people roam free, but coming into the groups that are being destructive and saying, hey, you can't do that. And so I think that's really good. And I think of what it flies at the face of, um, and I think what we struggle with is kind of the lie of individualism. In our culture, in the West particularly, um, the value that is brought to the, 
to the forefront is your individuality, right? You, you, the expression of your fullest self as an individual uh, without maybe connection to the individual in relationship to community, to the group. And so um, it's all about self-reliance. It's all about self-actualization. It's all about being independent, right? Without an acknowledgement, but actually we were created to be dependent, right? We were created not to be independent, but to be interdependent. And we are actually creatures that were created to worship God and to live in community. God himself is Trinity, right? Three persons in one. When you dance, if I were to dance with Casey, maybe we wanted to go salsa dancing, right? <laughs> I can't just salsa dance on my own. I can't do that alone, right? Or swing dance, tango, whatever dance, break dance. I guess you can break dance alone. Um, <laughs> But I can't just dance alone. It would look silly, right? But dancing in of itself is relating and moving in relationship to the other person. This person steps back, my, my opposite leg steps forward, right? We move together, right? And this is why dancing made me insecure, uh, dating and coming up uh, dating girls who like to dance because it was all about, oh, you have to be a good leader. And I'm like, I don't know how to dance. I can't be a good leader. And I'd like, I remember spinning someone or, or a gal around and she fell to the ground. That was like in the middle of everything. It's like, that's the worst. And because I'm like pulling her this and that. And she was like, you just stay here. I'll go dance with someone. Right. And then she danced with like, you know, this guy who's like this amazing dancer. He's like tall and handsome and flowy hair. And he's like, and they're gliding, and I'm like getting so jealous. It's like, ah, oh, I need to learn how to dance, right? Otherwise, I'm going to be in this corner like, you know, just mad. So we are created to dance. We are created to embrace one another. We are created to be in fellowship. We are created to be in community. And um, so I think that notion of we're self-reliant, we're independent, we don't need anyone, and that's like the highest point uh, that we should get to is, is a fallacy. And I think that, that kind of idea in our culture lends to that sense of, oh, I'm connected, and yet, why do I feel so lonely, right? Because having Facebook friends or being on social media, tweeting out things, it's kind of, um, it's kind of bad medicine because when you do it, you kind of half feel like you're connected, right? You're like, oh, I'm looking at my friend's photos and my college buddy's marriage or my friend from growing up in my old neighborhood, they just had a kid, and you feel connected to these people. And I could be sitting down in front of my computer and like connecting with people. And it gives me maybe a hybrid, like a half sense of, oh, I'm okay, and yet I'm not connected in a deeper way, in a, in a way that I so need, I so long for. I long to be connected. Zuckerberg, in an in a interview with the USA Today, says, what we've come to realize is that giving people a voice is good, and it helps get more opinions out there. But on top of that, we also need to help people build community 
and get exposed to new people and new perspectives. Right? This connectedness, not just connecting ourselves with people we agree with or who share, but we need to be responsible and connect and building communities. Um, he goes on to say the decline in community is a really big deal because people are not getting the support they need. Um, so we're putting in place this plan basically to reverse that. So his desire is so that Facebook would reverse this decline in community. Um, next slide. So Hugh Halter um, from the Tangible Kingdom Primer, uh, the author, um, his quote on community is this. Community is a word with many meanings and contexts. It's an ideal. It's a hope and a need. It's the foundation of any group or church and requires people to interact, share, and participate in a common effort. It's similar to a team sport that requires individuals to prioritize the involvement of others in order to succeed. Community cannot be created in isolation, nor does it happen without action. It requires people to navigate the tensions of interpersonal relationships. So there's that idea of dance. We are made to dance, right? You can't dance alone, right? You can't create community by yourself. You can't create community in isolation. And you can't create community without action. Because community requires dancing. It requires interpersonal relationships. It requires, actually, for us to step into tensions, the tensions and the conflict that may arise in interpersonal relationships. And so we need to step out of our shells or step out of our, our isolation or step out of wherever we're at in order to meet our brother and sister in order to meet the other in relationship. And that requires commitment. It requires decision. It requires a choice. It requires intentionality. Um, and actually, uh, love right, and good deeds are activated, Don't, cannot happen outside of community. Does that make sense? Right? Our good deeds and our actions, the mission of the church, can't happen without community. We are spurred on by one another to love, to act. Um, I came back from Detroit a couple weeks ago um, at our denomination's annual meeting, and there was a speaker, Marielle, what's that? Marisol, Marisol. She was the, she's the president of the Covenant Church in Mexico. And um, she gave this image. Um, if you go to a river or a stream, right, and you pick up a rock, they're really smooth, right? And why are these rocks smooth? They're, round, they're smooth and rounded. Um, it's because they came out of a long, long journey, right? Rocks journeying together, colliding and crashing. They once were jagged rocks on a cliff, right? They were jagged, they were rough. They weren't smooth and rounded the, like uh, river stones. Um, but on their way to the river and down the river, they tumbled and they collided and they hit up against, they crashed into each other, right? And pieces broke off until over the course of time, because of their interplay, because of their interaction and crashing and bumping, these rocks became smooth stones. 
um, we shape one another in the same way. You cannot be shaped and formed in isolation or alone. Right? And you've heard it, it's kind of trendy. Um, people say, oh, I can do church alone. I don't have to go to church. I can just do my devotions or be with God on my own or worship on my own. And it's just my relationship with God is just between me and God, right? You, you hear that often. But that doesn't happen because we are shaped and changed in relationship with God, in relationship with one another. Amen? Amen. Right? We are those stones, right? Iron sharpens iron. We are those stones tumbling along and crashing into one another and being smooth and shaped um, through God's process and the, through the Holy Spirit and in relationship with one another. You can't be shaped and formed um, for good on your own in isolation. Uh, we are our best selves when we are in community. And in community, we're bound together by a common identity in Jesus. And we're moving together with a common purpose. Alone, we are jagged rocks. And we don't become smooth stones until we journey together, colliding and crashing and tumbling along. Shaped and formed together by God and because of each other. And actually, this is our witness, the Christian community. Our unity, just like the Psalm 133 passage, right? how good and awesome and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It's like oil down Aaron's beard. Right? It's a beautiful thing when God's people are as God's people should be, dwelling in unity and loving one another. Um, this is our witness. Our witness to the world is how we love one another. It is our togetherness that gives testimony to the love of Jesus. Think about it. If the world is hurting in isolation and loneliness, our prophetic witness comes in our unity and togetherness. Right? That's our witness. If there is any place in the world where loving one another and togetherness and forgiveness and reconciliation and serving one another and being hospitable to one another is most evident to the world, it's in the church. It's in Christian community. Amen? Amen. And so we need to take this. It's the secret sauce. Right? We need to take our secret sauce into the world and spread it. Right? Say, look, come in, experience this togetherness of community because it's so good. And I know you need it. I know you're in Seattle and the rain is kind of dragging you down and you feel disconnected. You don't want to go out. You just want to sip on your coffee. I used to go to a um, coffee shop because. Um, I didn't want to interact with people, but I wanted the white noise of people around me so I wouldn't feel alone. So I'm in a busy place, so I don't feel alone, but I want to be alone, right? And that's like the Seattle thing, sipping on my coffee, being alone, but being around people, right? Hipster cool, right? But we need to, as a Christian community, we speak truth into that prophetically in the ways that we love one another and say, no, there's more. There's more. There's a deeper 
relationship. Um, so I want us to look at the Hebrews passage. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And if you listen to a lot of sermons online, a lot of pastors, this is the you need to come to church passage, right? Because they take the don't give up meeting together, right? As some are in the habit of doing to be like, look, a lot of people in this world are in the habit of not coming to church on Sunday. Look what it says in Hebrews. And we don't know the writer of Hebrews. Don't stop meeting together. Come to church, right? Come to church. And I don't want to discount that. I think that's part of it, right? The people of God met together and worshiped and sang hymns, right? In Acts 2.42, we hear that, um, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread, right? That was the early Christian church. They devoted themselves to meeting together and hearing teaching and breaking bread together. And that's what we do as a church. And our worship on Sunday is a part of that. But let's look at this even more. The two places uh, it says one another, I highlighted, right? Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur or uh, encourage one another. And actually, I'll go into this more, but there are hundreds of one another commands in the New Testament, right? Hundreds. And it's either Paul or Peter or Jesus talking about how believers, how the Christian community should behave toward one another, love one another, encourage one another, spur one another on, be hospitable to one another, forgive one another. All of these things, all of these commands in which we should behave or act towards one another to the person right next to you. In the beginning of, of this sermon, I said, turn to one another and say, I need you to survive. We need one another to survive. And that's where the church is, being, is at its best, when we're deeply being community with one another, when we're living out these commands of one another with one another, right? And, um, and it's really hard, if we look at the text, it's really hard in the context of a Sunday service, like as, as it is right now, to one another with one another, right? I heard a pastor speak, speaking on this, say, because a Sunday service is very unidirectional, right? I am talking at you guys. I am talking to you guys. We're not in a circle. We're in rows, right? But to one another, we also have to be in a circle, right? We have to be in a circle looking into one another's eyes, relating with one another in order to one another, each other. Does that make sense? So one another can happen in the Sunday context, but it, one another doesn't just only happen here. We are not the church just at Sunday church service. We are also the church in that we live outside of this place. Amen? 
and, and the ways that we love one another outside of this place and the ways when we interact with one another outside of this place. We want another. When we get out of here, we want another. That's the time to one another um, to the fullest. Amen? Woo! I, I kind of hear you guys. <laughs> one another. And then let's look at this. And let us consider... Let us consider. Consider, it just means to think. Think about it. Take some time to think. Take some time to listen. Take some time to be strategic. Take some time to think about how you're going to love one another. Right? When I was dating Janice, I was like, I thought about all the ways I could be romantic, all the ways I can woo her, all the ways I can show how, you know, I am a worthy mate and her DNA should combine with my DNA in order to like, (laughs) right? All the ways that these things should happen, right? Do I spend that much time considering being romantic now? No. It's just for all you young guys out there, Don't set the bar too high in the beginning. Because it's all downhill from there. Right? When you are being romantic, you got to start right here. Give give her the C game. And then like... Then you up it gradually. Because you got all the anniversaries. You got all of that stuff coming. No. You just do your best and up it every time. But anyways... I, I feel like I don't spend as much time considering right, how I can love Janice romantically as I did when I was younger, when we were first early in our relationship. And this is what I see in that word consider. Like how much do we spend time thinking about how we're gonna love the, per- the people next to us, right? Think about how you can spur each other on. And that word spur, right? It's kind of uh, confrontational, right? When I think of spur, I think of a cowboy boot, right? A spur used to like poke a horse in order to get it to go faster, like irritate it, right? Prod and pick at it so you get kind of mad. And that's the image I see, like community is about me prodding you into action. It's like, oh, right? Sometimes we think community is about, leave me alone, right? You got your thing, I got my thing, don't step into my business, right? This is my finances, this is my family, these are my children, this is my job, this is how I live my life, right? And even though we're Christians, we're at the same church, this, you don't step into this, right? And that's, that's culture, that's society, that's not Christian community. Christian community, according to this, is people step into your dome and, be, and disrupt it, right? And spur you on to be your better self, amen? Like iron sharpening iron, like tumbling river stones, right? People crashing into each other, saying, hey, right? I know you can do more. I know you can be more. So we spur each other on in community to love and do good deeds. And then 
uh, encouraging one another, right? There's so many times in our week, so many days that we're discouraged, right? I don't, I don't even know half of the things that people are burdened with in this room, right? But if I sat with each of you for 10 minutes at coffee and you just shared what, what you're struggling with, right? It, it would be some heavy stuff. It'd be some real stuff. And we need to take time to listen to one another and encourage each other, right? I'm with you. I hear you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. You can make it. You can do it. Right? You're good enough. Encourage one another. Okay. So here are some one another commands in the New Testament. Some info on it. It's used a hundred times, one another. I said a hundred, hundreds of times, right? It's used exactly a hundred times in the New Testament. And 47 of those verses give instructions to the followers of Jesus. Paul wrote 60% of those one another commands. Um, four of those commands are about kissing. That's just a random. <laughs> one third of the one another commands deal with the church getting along, deal with unity. For example, be at peace with one another. Mark 9.50, accept one another, be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to one another, Ephesians 4.32, bear with and forgive one another, Colossians 3.13. One third of these commands uh, instruct Christians to love one another, um, love one another, serve one another, greet one another with a kiss of love. About 15% of one another commands stress an attitude of humility and deference among believers. Wash one another's feet in John. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't be haughty. Be of the same mind. Serve one another. Be subject to one another. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And some of the rest of the one another's bear one another's burdens, speak truth to one another, don't lie to one another, comfort one another concerning the resurrection, encourage and build up one another, stimulate one another to love and good deeds, pray for one another, be hospitable to one another. So I, I think our challenge is for us to spur one another on to be a deeper, more Christ-like community. I want to see the warmth, the heat in our community rise. Right? For us to just be passionate and compassionate about each other care deeply about each other. And this takes investment, right? Really invest in one another. It takes time to spend time meeting with one another outside of this context, right? Amen. Spend time 
And our hope um, this summer and beyond um, is to kind of raise the temperature of community, right? Um, we've been doing our summer rhythms of serving, worshiping together, and partying together. Uh, this involves inviting other people into that, but it also is us doing that together. And in doing that together, we grow together, amen? And um, just one example, a couple weeks ago, we did our, our worship, uh, went kind of worship rhythm. Um, Catherine hosted and invited us all uh, to her home, and then we walked to a park. And in the middle of Bellevue, there's this awesome park with a pond and like trails. And she just led a time of us listening to God and kind of sharing, like, imagine a garden, right? And Jesus is in this garden. What's in your garden? And we shared out of that. It was just very simple. And we shared out of that. We broke up into groups and walked around. Uh, the guys walked around the lake and shared, shared some stuff. And it was just, like, a connection, a deeper connection. And it was so good. My soul felt refreshed. Afterwards, I felt so connected and, uh, and hopeful. I felt very hopeful. And the other thing is, is that when you listen to other people's dreams and visions and words from God and you share it together, you start putting it together, right? And you see a bigger picture of what God is doing in your midst, in, your, in the entire midst. And you're like, oh, we're together in this. And I don't feel alone. Right. And my temptation is to feel alone. Am I the only one wanting this? Am I the only one dreaming this? Am I the only one doing this? And it's not true. If we just take the time to listen to one another and to share with one another. And so I commend to you community. At Renew, we practice community. Um, and this means um, that we one another deeply. Let's pray.